Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. You know, when we talk about giving and we talk about uh, a generous life, we talk about the family of God, we talk about what Christ has done for us. We just sang that song, and what a beautiful privilege it is to recognize that the Lord really does own all things, including us. That's what Lord means. Lord doesn't mean that he's in second place. Lord doesn't mean uh, that we have rights. Lord doesn't mean anything other than that he is overall and that everything is for him. Amen? And when we talk about it from the perspective of our lives, we're not just talking about things or material things. Obviously, that's, that's part of it. But we're really talking about our hearts. We're talking about yielding to him. We're talking, as David shared, uh, out of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where we are living sacrifices. We are constantly making decisions every moment of every day, no matter what the circumstance may be, to yield ourselves, surrender ourselves to the Lord, and it's by the mercies of God. It's because of all that the Lord has done for us. It's because he now lives within us, because he seeks to conform us to his image, to draw us to himself. And as we yield to him, we have the opportunity of experiencing him, his life-changing power. And that begins to be revealed through us. We're living in an amazing day, aren't we? I'm thankful for the election. I'm just being honest with you. I'm thankful because of the things that I shared with you before the election. My prayer is life will be protected, etc. But I'll tell you what, you you watch some of the things that have been said post-inaugural moment. You, You look at some of these marches that have taken place. You listen to people like Madonna Folks, uh, our work has not stopped. I think now more than ever, the people of God need to simply avail ourselves to the Lord and be living sacrifices where we're not attached to the things of this world, we're not attached to anything other than Christ himself, we're willing to follow him in all things so that Christ in and through us may be made manifest. And when we talk about a generous life, we talk about giving, we talk about being attached to things, stuff. Perhaps in some ways there's no greater illustration of the transforming power of Christ within us when we recognize and we actually walk in the reality that all things belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're not attached to the stuff of this world, to the things of this world, we're attached to the Lord. When we talk about giving or generosity and a life that's generous, we've looked at God's creation. John spoke on that a couple weeks ago. He owns it all. He's the Lord. We're stewards. We're not owners. Then we looked at God's character. He has a giving heart, and, and obviously, in no greater way do we see this and in the gift of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. What a beautiful expression of grace and of love for all of us. And this morning, we're going to talk about a community of grace. A community of grace. The church is a community of grace. The church is a community where giving takes on a different level. It becomes hilarious. There's cheer in it. There's joy in it. It's not, it's not out of drudgery. Right, we talk about money, and, and I mean, people's faces just turn. 
Well, one of the things that's always fun for me to watch, and I don't know, I'm just being honest, but it's always interesting we start talking about budget. We talk about where are we? <laughs> What's the Lord doing? In the... God owns everything, folks. And I got to tell you, I trust the Lord absolutely implicitly to provide whatever is necessary for how he's leading this body of believers. Because he's the Lord. And he's capable. He owns it all. In one moment, God could take care of everything. He could give us a surplus that we don't even know what to do with. So the question is not how much do we got, what do we got to get to do to get more, all that kind of stuff. The question is, how are we seeking the Lord? How are we following Christ? How are we yielded to him? And in the midst of it, are our lives revealing the generous heart of our Lord as he transforms us and then begins to be revealed in and through us? In Christian speech, let's put it that way, right? Generosity to the point where it doesn't even make sense. You can't figure it out. You don't create the Excel spreadsheet and tally it up at the end and say, oh, that's what we're supposed to do. That's the will of God. You simply follow the Lord and trust him to reveal and to provide in a way that you have no program for. When we yield to the Lord, giving becomes a regular and remarkable reflection of Christ's life seen through our lives. You catch that? When we are yielding to the Lord, when we're living for Christ, when we're yielded to him, surrendered to him, saying yes to him, walking by faith, however you want to word that, when we're in obedience to him and his life is being lived out in and through us, then our lives will reveal the generous nature of who Christ really is and giving will become regular and remarkable reflections of God's grace, God's life in and through us. That's absolutely essential to understand because there's perhaps nothing that we struggle with more than hanging on to stuff or planning for more stuff or trying to get better stuff. <laughs> and our garages, like mine, are stuffed with stuff. Right? And we suddenly realize, what are we doing? Because this stuff isn't going to stay around forever. Are we living for eternity or are we living for today? What's God doing in our lives? Giving is not natural. Anybody that says giving is natural doesn't understand biblical giving. Flat out. Because when we talk about biblical giving, we're talking about giving everything. We're talking about releasing it all. We're talking about acknowledging that God is the owner of it all. Whatever it may be. We're stewards, not owners. Giving can be taught and taught and taught. And some people... Begin to work a formula, a checkbox. What we're talking about is a life and a yielded life at that. We're talking about the willingness to say yes to the Lord whenever, wherever, why ever, with whatever. Giving has to be caught. It's something the Lord has to teach us, and it's, it's literally a death to self. And I would suggest it's not just a one-time moment, and it's 
consistent. It's something that happens all the time. When the Lord leads, we immediately die to self and say, yes, Lord. When the Lord leads again, we say, yes, Lord, and we learn to die to self, and we learn to run to him quickly, and we learn to walk in his power and his strength and his life because he's the generous one. In our flesh, we are not. We get to give. (laughs) A lot of people give to get. Right? Well, if I just give this much, wow, look at all that God's going to give me. I mean, I've heard this over and over. All I've got to do is turn on the, the channel. You just give some seed money and watch what happens. No, no, no. God gives to us so that we then can give. And then when we give and we release it back to him, he gives us more, not in order to pat us on the back and say, oh, you did so great. Right? There's blessings in it, of course, but he gives us more so that we can then do what? Give more. Give more. That's the pattern that we see in the New Testament over and over. Well, clearly God is generous. We saw that in John 3.16. He gave us his son, the greatest gift of all time. Amen? There is no greater gift than that. The Lord Jesus Christ leaving heaven, humbling himself, coming to this earth, going to the cross so that we might have life. How? By believing in him. And when we talk about God's generosity, there's a couple of verses that I thought were really interesting. James chapter 1, verse 5. You may have never, never have thought of it in this way, but when God gives, and there's so many different passages on this, this is a 30,000-foot view on it, but when we look at these different passages or different uh, expressions of God's generosity, there's all kinds of different ways we could go. James chapter 1, verse 5, James says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And then he clarifies how the Lord gives. He says, Who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, in the context, he's not talking about money. He's talking about wisdom. But he says something about the character of God, and James goes on to talk about the character of God, that there's no shifting shadow in him, there's no darkness, there's no sin, there's not even the shadow of sin within the Lord. He is absolutely pure in all that he does. His motives are clear. He never has a wrong motive towards us. He never does something out of a wrong motive, ever. It's incredible. Here, what he's saying is the way that he gives wisdom is generous and without reproach. He never puts us down for being needy and admitting that need. And in this context, it's about wisdom. Praise God. The question is not whether the Lord is willing to give wisdom, and it's not whether he does it generously, and it's not whether he does it without reproach. The question is, do we understand how needy we really are of his wisdom? That's the issue. So when the Lord gives, it's out of his character, and it's always generously, it's without reproach. He doesn't put us down for recognizing the obvious, which is that we are needy. Another passage is later on in James chapter 4, verse 6. And again, he's talking about how the Lord gives and to whom he gives. He's generous, he does so without reproach. In James chapter 4, verse 6, he says he gives a greater, what? Grace. Grace. I love this. Therefore. Therefore. (laughs) Why is the therefore therefore? Because he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace 
to the humble. Wow. Who does he give to? He gives to those who acknowledge their need of his gift. He doesn't give to the proud. In fact, he opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the ones who recognize how needy they really are. How needy are we today? Do we recognize that we need him? Do we recognize we need his wisdom? Do we recognize that God is generous? Do we recognize that we can walk with him? Do we recognize that he's opposed to the proud, those who are lifted up in their own minds, those who are puffed up, who think they don't have any need? Or do we recognize our need and as a result humbly come before him? The word humble means to lower yourself, to place yourself in a position where you are lower than the one that you are asking something for. I love this. Because, you know, the truth is the Lord doesn't put us down for that. In fact, Philippians 2 goes into the fact that he is himself humble. He lowered himself to come to this earth. He lowered himself to go to the cross. He lowered himself to die so that we might have life. So when the Lord gives, he does so generously, he does it without reproach, and he gives to those who recognize that they are in need of him, not the proud, not the proud. Generous living involves a lot of different things, and it's an outflow of the life of Christ. When we're walking with Christ and we're walking according to his spirit, we're walking in his strength, the fruit of the spirit is what? It's love, and it's a description of God. God is Love and all the different factors that go to explain love. When we talk about a generous life, we're talking about walking in the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God transforming us, changing us, leading us, empowering us, and then making Himself made known through us. And so the attitude of humility, the attitude of generosity, the attitude of placing others first in front of our own needs, how we even define need begins to change. And we're not attached to the things. We're attached to Christ. But I, I think it's important to understand this isn't just about money. This is just, a, it's about attitude as well. Generous living involves thankful hearts. If you do a word search uh, on uh, giving thanks, giving thanks, you will find that it is used over and over and over in the New Testament to describe believers. Giving thanks. In Romans chapter 1, it's one of the, the marks of somebody who refused to acknowledge that God is the creator of all things and rather worships the created things instead of the creator. It is that they refuse to give thanks. Believers should always be giving thanks. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, he says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Or 1 Thessalonians 5.18, he says, In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Grumbling and complaining are antithetical to giving thanks. And in 1 Thessalonians where he says, in everything. Does that not mean in everything? 
That means no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, whether it goes the way you wanted it to, whether the outcome is what you thought it would be or not, it doesn't matter what the situation is. It is in everything, give thanks. And in Colossians, whatever you do, that includes everything. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter what your occupation is. It doesn't matter whether you're at home, whether you're driving, whether you're at a restaurant, whether you're at church, whether you're in a K group. It doesn't matter whether you're on the mission field. It doesn't matter what you're doing. What are we to be always participating in? Giving thanks. Why? Because we know God's in control. We know that he's always working for our good. He's always working to bring good out of the circumstance, no matter what the situation may be. And as a result, we trust him. Grumbling and complaining are antithetical to giving thanks. Anybody done that this week? Come on. My goodness, you awake out there. I can't see very well because of the lights, but give me a break, right? Anybody grumbled or complained about anything? Come on. Let's just be honest about it, right? It's just reality, and we need to confess it because you know what? Here's the truth. It's not because you had a bad night's sleep. It's not just because we had uh, maybe not the type of food that we expected and it didn't sit well or whatever other reason. It's a result of our flesh. It's called sin, and it needs to be repented of, And we need to agree with the Lord that it is what it is, and that's sin. We need to be cleansed of it, folks. When we talk about giving thanks, we talk about generous lives. We're talking about the life of Christ being made known through us. When we as believers are walking around grumbling and complaining, I can assure you we are in no way, shape, or form reflecting the goodness and the generous life of our Lord. And it must be repented of. We must be cleansed of it by the Lord himself. When we're yielded to Christ, the expression that will come through, no matter what we're doing and no matter what the circumstance may be, will be one of thanks, of gratitude, of thank you, God, that you're with me, that you're in me, that I have the privilege of experiencing you no matter what. Well, financial issues, things, material things. The Bible has a lot to speak to on this. Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 and following. I'm going to give you some snapshots, okay? So you turn quick if you got your Bible or flick quick or do whatever you do <laughs> with your uh, smartphones. Philippians 4, 15 through 19 says, You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. It says, I've received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And then he says, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Paul was being supported by the Philippian body of believers, the church. 
And as he went about his missionary journeys, they sent him financial gifts in order to help cover the cost of taking the gospel into the areas that the Lord had led him to go. And he's thanking them for this. I think what's awesome is that Paul's motive was not for the money in and of itself. His motive, which he clarifies in verse 17, is for the profit to their account. He's not just simply asking so that he could get the money and have the physical needs that he actually did need and or to provide financial assistance to be able to go do the good works that were necessary in taking the gospel throughout the world at that point. But he was asking with a heart motive And he was reminding them that when you give as unto the Lord, the Lord knows this. And it goes to your account. It will profit you. What is he speaking of? He's talking about eternity. He's talking about the opportunity to be rewarded by the Lord himself for yielding to him and saying yes to him in the act of giving. I love that truth. Folks, when we ask about money at this church. Please understand, I love this verse because I think it really does clarify the heart of why we certainly should be asking for money. It is for the advancement of the gospel. But it's for this purpose, not that I seek the gift itself, as Paul said, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. See, if you're not giving, if there's something stopping you from this, from a fleshly perspective, because you're holding on to things. You say, I can't afford this. I can't. Friend, get with God. Ask him what it is that he wants you to do about this. Because I will tell you this, an individual who has surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, who has yielded to him, will be led to give. And if there's absolutely no giving taking place within your life, not just financially, but in terms of service and in terms of uh, all the different aspects of functioning within the body of Christ, there's something wrong in your walk with the Lord and your understanding of your walk with the Lord. Get it right. It's to your account that we say this. It is for your benefit that we say this because we don't want to see you get enslaved to the things of this world, but rather to be attached to Christ himself and to be able to be rewarded by the Lord in eternity. It's essential. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 And following, I'm sure you know this passage well. And we're going to spend a lot more time next week dealing with this particular issue. But he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be what? Also. How how are we developing treasures for ourselves here on this earth? Instead of being heavenly minded and understanding that when we give unto the Lord, we release it unto the Lord, it's under the Lord. And the Lord knows it. And the Lord's promised to reward us as we follow him in those faith works that he has for us. But if we're storing up treasure on this earth, friend, it's going to be demolished. You can't take it with you. The question is, how are we yielding to the Lord 
in such a way that as God begins to transform our minds, renews our minds through the word of God, transforms our hearts, he transforms our purpose and the reason why we're even here, we begin to be heavenly minded and recognize that everything belongs to him. And when we give, we give it to the Lord for the advancement of his kingdom that one day there will be reward for that. Or (laughs) are we building our own kingdoms here? Because that's the challenge. God will give us wisdom in that. There's balance in all things. But the question is, are we yielded to the Lord and are we willing to say yes to him? If he asks us to give whatever it may be, are we willing to say yes? Are we so attached to whatever it may be that we can't give it up? Let me give you several principles for giving. You can see this through all the Bible, Old Testament and New, really. When we give out of the outflow of God's life within us, we're going to give liberally. It's going to be abundant. Romans chapter 12, verse 80, speaking of the gifts. And he says this, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with what? Liberality. Liberality. He who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, he goes through this whole list. Why does he specifically say to the one who gives, the one who has the spiritual gift of giving, to do so with liberality? I would suggest to you that all the spiritual gifts uh, within the body are given to the body in order that the body may watch what God is able to do in and through somebody to express who God really is. And when somebody within the body has the gift of giving, all of us ought to be giving. But there's individuals who have a gift of giving. It is from the Lord. It is by the Spirit of God. That in this individual, there is a unique expression of who God really is in and through that individual so that the rest of the body can watch and say, oh, that's what it means to walk with the Lord and to give as the Lord would lead in giving. And here, what he's saying is liberally, generously, abundantly, not attached to it, overflowing is the idea. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says, Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. How you give will ultimately come back to you. Warren Wiersbe says it this way, If we live to give, God will see to it that we receive. But if we live only to get, God will see to it that we lose. This principle applies not only to our giving of money, but also to the giving of ourselves in ministry to others. If our lives are about us, we will be diminished. But if our lives are about others, we will see an increase. Why? Not so that we can then spend it on ourselves or brag about what we've done or what we've given, but rather that we would have the opportunity to do even more. Because when we're yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ, it is Christ in us and through us who is making his life manifest, revealing who he truly is to those that we come in contact with.
2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 through 8, to me is the principle of the New Testament for giving. We talk about tithes and we talk about 10% and everything like that, and I can't find in the New Testament where it's specifically told us that we are to give 10%. At the same time, some people want to make this into a legal issue and say, well, the law says that. Well, that's right, but the law probably put, to, put together a tithe that was more along the lines of 30-some percent. So if you want to go there, go for it. The truth of the matter is Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. 400 years before the law was even given, Abraham gave a tenth to Melchizedek. And I simply bring that up to simply say this. I think 10% is a great starting point. If you're not giving at all, look at the pattern of Scripture over the entire Scripture, not just a portion of it. And I think you'll find that 10% is a good starting point, but I'm not going to be legalistic about it. It's not a checkbox. The question is the heart. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul brings that out. He says, each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Did you catch this? Each one, every individual, must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The word cheerful is hilarious. We get the word hilarious out of it. And it doesn't mean silly. We can translate it all kinds of different ways. What it does mean is glad, happy, joyful, grateful, with gratitude, with expressions of joy. In other words, not out of duty, not out of compulsion, not because you have to, but because you get to. <laughs> it's always amazing to talk about money. You mean? Right? The Eeyore moment comes out. What does that mean for me? Well, you know what? Get in touch with God and find out. That's the point. Because as you walk with the Lord and as you yield to him, guess what? God will produce within you something that is not from you, from me. Our flesh would never give with joy. We would never do that in and of ourselves. We would never give hilariously to the point where it doesn't even make sense. You mean I only got 10 bucks and I'm supposed to give it all over here? You kidding me, Lord? That's what we do, right? We say, that can't be right because we're not being good stewards if we do that. No, the Lord's saying, yeah, I want you to give it. And I'm the greatest steward of all, so I know how to provide for you in a way that you don't even see yet. So just trust me in it. Isn't that hard? Am I the only one that that's difficult for? Am I the only one that likes to draw the line and figure it all out and tell the Lord about all the bills that are upcoming? To say, Lord, I don't, ah, I, I really got to hold on to this one because I got all this other stuff coming. Am, am I really the only one that does that? Give me a break. You're kidding me, right? Y'all just so arrived. It's amazing. But that's how we do, isn't it? And the truth of the matter is the Lord 
One of the greatest difficulties with America, I love our freedom and I thank God for all the blessings materially, etc., that we enjoy and Lord willing continue to enjoy. But the question is, how attached are we to these things? How have they become idols in our lives? How have we forgotten that they ultimately fully and absolutely 100% belong to the Lord and that he gave them to us so that we can give to others? Because I fear that the world has impacted our churches to the point where we have forgotten that we don't own a thing and it's all God's. With love, we give with love. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 2 and 3 says, If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me not one thing. You can, you can be as religious as you want and you can actually give everything away, but if it's not out of love, if it's not with the motive of God's love towards others, if it wasn't inspired by God, if it wasn't initiated by him, if it wasn't something that he's leading you in and empowering you in, if it wasn't a dying to self for you, then friend, it was not from God and it means absolutely nothing. In fact, I would suggest that it is giving that is detrimental to the kingdom because it's a wrong role modeling of what true biblical giving, Christ-centered giving actually looks like. You get all this philanthropy stuff, and I, amen. But friends, true biblical giving is going to be an expression to the Lord of yielding to him and to acknowledge that we're simply stewards, and then it's all his, and he has the right to do with his stuff whatever he chooses. So we give, and when we do, if it's not wrapped in love, then I would suggest it's not from God because God is love. Well, there's a singular devotion. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God, and some of you have the translation, and mammon, meaning wealth, meaning money. You can't serve both. You, you can't say, my life is dedicated to making money, and at the same time say, I'm completely and absolutely yielded and surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't say that I'm surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, and at the same time say that my life is absolutely devoted to mammon, to wealth, to money. You can't do it. It's an either or. And in our society, we hate that. We love the gray. We love to take all the percentages and we love to say, well, Lord, I gave you this, and this is yours, and amen, and it's absolutely given to you. This is mine. Don't you touch it. That's what we do, isn't it? Because we don't really trust the Lord like we say we do, because we are attached to the things in a way that perhaps we don't even realize until the Lord has to point it out. Folks, I'm not preaching at you. I'm, I'm telling myself, too. We all struggle with this. It's in our fleshly nature. The question is, are we willing to give it to the Lord? The question is, are we devoted consistently and absolutely to him? Has that decision been made? And then is it walked in? 
over and over and over again. Because I could tell you this, just because you made the decision way back when doesn't mean you're going to not struggle with it today. There will be times of struggle. Maturity in Christ is not that I don't ever deal with sin anymore. It's that I've learned to run to Christ with it. That's maturity in Christ. What are we devoted to? (laughs) Another principle is that it's going to be given in secret. It's going to be given in secret. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 and following, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. They have have the praise of men. They've already been recognized. He said, when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We don't give in order to laud ourselves. True biblical expressions of giving are always going to be done with humility, with joy. It's going to be done in love, and it's not going to be so that everybody thinks how great we are. (laughs) That's the reality, right? It's going to be for the greatness of God, and we trust him with the reward because he alone knows how to discern the motives of our hearts. How many times do we do things so that other people will recognize it and applaud us for it. Oh, come on. Come on. Just be transparent about it. We tend to do that, don't we? Well, lastly, but not lastly, it's a life. My last point, Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4 can't not bring this one up. One of the principles of true biblical giving is that we give out of our poverty rather than out of our surplus. We give out of our poverty rather than our surplus. Luke chapter 21, 1 through 4, he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them. For they all out of their surplus, but into the offering, put into the offering. But she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. Wow. See, when's the last time we we're so overwhelmed by the Lord that we literally just said, it's all yours? We, we release it to you, Lord. It's yours in the first place. How attached have we become? We give out of our surplus. Oh, I had a great whatever bonus check or whatever it may be. And so I'm, no, no, friend. How, how is God leading you to give in a way where you're giving out of your heart's love towards the Lord and you're giving it with no strings attached because it is to the Lord and you trust him how to use it. And in the midst of that, you're giving actually out of your poverty. You're not doing the figure it out moment. Well, that's, this is what I have to give. But rather, it's just an expression with joy and in love for the Lord. And the Lord looks and sees the rich putting in their gifts, and he knows intuitively because he's God in the flesh that they're giving out of their surplus. But he sees this poor widow, and he recognizes that she's giving everything. 
everything. What a beautiful expression of love. What a beautiful expression of how somebody is giving simply out of a generous life because they know that God has been generous with them. The Lord desires cheerful givers. How are we doing with that? How are we purposing in our own hearts to say, Lord, my life is yours? So it can be in the area of service. It can be with your time. It can be, obviously, with finances. How's the Lord leading us to say, with joy, what a privilege. How are we defining need versus want? (laughs) Need versus want. Oh, I'll let you figure that out. (laughs) How do you define that? What are we attached to? What is it that we refuse to give up? It could be our time. It could be our comfort. It could be all kinds of things. But it could be our material wealth, our image involved in that. Lastly, how are we trusting the Lord? How are we serving him? How are we looking towards the advancement of his kingdom? He's saying, Lord, I'm just a vessel. Use me in whatever way you choose. Whatever it is that I think that I own, it's actually yours. So if you require it and you desire for me to give it, Lord, help me not to be attached to it because my flesh would always be attached to it. But Lord, I want to be attached to you more because I want to experience you. That's the question, folks. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me for just a moment? What's God doing in your life? How are we doing with our giving? Not just money, but our time and our service. How are we living our lives where we are yielded to Christ, where we're willing to serve him first and foremost and willing to follow him as he leads us? Is there something that the Lord perhaps is doing in your life where he's leading you to serve him in a way that gets you out of your comfort zone? Amen, friend. Trust him in it. Trust him in it. Give it over to him, over and over and over. (laughs) Say yes to him. What about finances? How are we doing? We use finances to control. We're using finances in some other way than in love and gratitude, generosity to the Lord first and foremost, to be used by him in whatever way he chooses. How are we doing with the things of this world, the material things? Are we devoted singularly to him? Are we schizophrenic? We're caught up in some of the things of this world and at the same time we're trying to serve the Lord. It doesn't work that way. It's an all or nothing proposition, really. It's am I yielded to Christ and willing to follow him? Would you stand with me for a moment and if you need to come forward and take some time at the front. There's people here that would love to share Christ with you and talk with you. Maybe you've never received the Lord. You haven't believed in him. You're not saved. Maybe you know that you're attached to the things of this world. You're scared to death about the things to come. You have no security in Christ. You haven't received the promise of eternal life. I want to encourage you to do that this morning. 
And friend, if you're a believer in Christ, are we attached to the things of this world? Do we need to acknowledge once again, afresh, that it's all the Lord's, it's all His, including my life? And are we willing to say yes to Him in every area of our lives? Not to compartmentalize it, not to divvy it up, not to give a percentage, but rather to say it's all for Him, all for Him. You willing to do that this morning? Take a moment, respond to the Lord as He leads you. You know, I can't help but say, have you failed recently? If you feel like you haven't measured up, welcome to the normal Christian life. (laughs) Friends, if you're struggling with this, join the crowd. The things of this world so often are not strangely dim because we're not looking at the face of Christ. We get caught up into the things of this world. I want to encourage you in something. If, If there's something that has caused you in any way, shape, or form to feel like you have not measured up, I want to encourage you in this. Only in Christ, only in Christ can this take place. Only the Lord can produce within us giving hearts, hearts that are yielded to Him. And it's day by day. It's day by day. It's moment by moment. Walk with Him. Trust Him. And when we trip and when we stumble, praise God for His graciousness towards us his mercy. Agree with him. Confess it. Be cleansed of it. Stand up. Get up. Move forward as a child of the king. Receive the promise from the Lord that he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's be a people that have Christ as our center. We're not attached to the things of this world. That we're consistently and constantly asking the Lord for his will and we're learning to say yes to him to die to self in the midst of it so that he would receive all the glory and the honor Father we come before you I thank you for this morning Lord I thank you for how you remind me of how much I need you I'm grateful for that you're so kind in that you're gracious to me and I'm grateful Lord, I love you. I thank you for this church body. I thank you for so many who love to give. That's so evident. I pray, Lord, that we would actually increase in that. Lord, that we would yield even perhaps more. That as a body of believers, that you would be glorified, you would be praised, that your kingdom would be advanced, that people would recognize we're not attached to things. We're attached to you. So, Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We love you. We're grateful for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day in Christ. Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. 